Chapter Four of the Money Moon. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Money Moon, a Romance by Geoffrey Farnell. Chapter Four. How Small Porges, in looking for a fortune for another, found an uncle for himself instead. The meeting of George Bellow and Small Porges, as he afterward came to be called, was sudden, precipitate, and wholly unexpected, and it befell on this wise. Bellew had opened his knapsack, had fished thence cheese, clasp-knife, and a crusty loaf of bread, and having exerted himself so far, had fallen a-thinking or a-dreaming in his characteristic attitude, i.e., on the flat of his back, when he was aware of a crash in the hedge above, and then of something that hurtled past him, all arms and legs, that rolled over two or three times, and eventually brought up in a sitting posture. And, lifting a lazy head, Bellow observed that it was a boy. He was a very diminutive boy with a round head, covered with coppery curls, the boy who stared at Bellow out of a pair of very round blue eyes, while he tenderly cherished a knee and an elbow. He had been on the brink of tears for a moment, but meeting Bellew's quizzical gaze, he manfully repressed the weakness, and, lifting the small and somewhat weather-beaten cap that found a precarious perch at the back of his curly head, he gravely wished Bellew, "'Good afternoon!' "'Well met, my Lord Chesterfield,' nodded Bellew, returning the salute. "'Are you hurt?' "'Just a bit. On the elbow. But my name's George.' "'Why, so is mine,' said Bellew. "'Though they call me Georgie Porgy.' "'Of course they do,' nodded Bellew. "'They used to call me the same once upon a time.' Georgie Porgy, pudding and pie, kissed the girls and made them cry, though I never did anything of the kind. One doesn't do that sort of thing when one is young. And wise, that comes later, and brings its own care and... Uh, heartbreak.' Here Bellew sighed, and hacked a piece from the loaf with the clasp-knife. "'Are you hungry, Georgie Porgy?' he inquired, glancing up at the boy who had risen, and was removing some of the soil and dust from his small person with his cap. "'Yes, I am.' "'Then here is bread and cheese and bottled stout, so fall to, good comrade.' "'Thank you, but I've got a piece of bread and jam in my bundle.' "'Bundle?' "'I dropped it as I came through the hedge.' I'll get it. And as he spoke he turned, and, climbing up the bank, presently came back with a very small bundle that dangled from the end of a very long stick, and, seating himself beside Bellew, he proceeded to open it. There, sure enough, was the bread and jam in question, seemingly a little the worse for wear and tear, for Bellew observed various articles adhering to it, amongst other things a battered penknife and a top. These, however, were readily removed, and Georgie Porgy fell to with excellent appetite. "'And pray,' inquired Bellew, after they had munched silently together some while, "'pray where might you be going?' "'I don't know yet,' answered Georgie Porgy, with a shake of his curls. "'Good again!' exclaimed Bellew. "'Neither do I.' "'Though I've been thinking of Africa.' continued his diminutive companion, turning the remains of the bread and jam over and over thoughtfully. "'Africa!' repeated Bellew, staring. "'That's quite a goodish step from here.' "'Yes,' sighed Georgie Porgy. "'But you see, there's gold there. Oh, lots of it. 
They dig it out of the ground with shovels, you know. Old Adam told me about it, and it's gold I'm looking for, you see. I'm trying to find a fortune. I beg your pardon, said Bellew. Money, you know, explained Georgie Porgy with a patient sigh. Pounds and, and shillings and banknotes in a sack if I can get them. And what does such a very small Georgie Porgy want so much money for? Well, it's for my auntie, you know, so she won't have to sell her house and go away from Dapplemere. She was telling me last night when I was in bed. She always comes to tuck me up, you know, and she told me she was afraid we'd have to sell Dapplemere and go to live somewhere else. So I asked why, and she said cause she hadn't any money, and, oh, Georgie, she said, oh, Georgie, if we could only find enough money to pay off the, the... Mortgage? suggested Bellow at a venture. Yes, that's it. But how did you know? Never mind how. Go on with your tale, Georgie Porgy. If we could only find enough money, or somebody would leave us a fortune, she said, and she was crying, too, cause I felt a tear fall on me, you know. So this morning I got up awful early, and made myself a bundle on a stick, like Dick Whittington had when he left home, and I started off to find a fortune. I see, nodded Bellow. But I haven't found anything, yet, said Georgie Porgy with a long sigh. I suppose money takes a lot of looking for, doesn't it? Sometimes, Bellew answered. And do you live alone with your auntie then, Georgie Porgy? Yes. Most boys live with their mothers. But that's where I'm different. I don't need one, cause I've got my auntie Anthea. Anthea? repeated Bellew thoughtfully. Hereupon they fell silent, Bellew watching the smoke curl up from his pipe into the warm, still air, and Georgie Porgy watching him with very thoughtful eyes and a somewhat troubled brow, as if turning over some weighty matter in his mind. At last he spoke. "'Please,' said he with a sudden diffidence, "'where do you live?' "'Live?' repeated Bellew, smiling. "'Under my hat, here, there, and everywhere, which means—' nowhere in particular but i mean where is your home my home said bellew exhaling a great cloud of smoke my home lies beyond the bounding billow that sounds an awful long way off it is an awful long way off and where do you sleep while you're here anywhere they'll let me to-night i shall sleep at some inn i suppose if i can find one if not under a hedge or hayrick oh haven't you got any home of your own then here no and you're not going home just yet i mean across the bounding billow not yet then please the small boy's voice was suddenly tremulous and eager and he laid a little grimy hand upon bellew's sleeve please if it isn't too much trouble would you mind coming with me to to help me to find the fortune you see you are so very big, and—oh, will you please?" George Bellew sat up suddenly and smiled. Bellew's smile was at all times wonderfully pleasant to see. At least the boy thought so. "'Georgie Porgie,' said he, "'you can just bet your small life I will. And there's my hand on it, old chap.' Bellew's lips were solemn now, but all the best of his smile seemed somehow to have got into his grey eyes. So the big hand clasped the small one, 
and as they looked at each other there sprang up a certain understanding that was to be an enduring bond between them. "'I think,' said Bellow, as he lay and puffed at his pipe again, "'I think I'll call you Porges. It's shorter, easier, and, I think, altogether apt. I'll be big Porges, and you shall be small Porges. What do you say?' "'Yes, it's lots better than Georgie Porgie,' nodded the boy and so small Porges he became thenceforth. "'But,' said he, after a thoughtful pause, "'I think, if you don't mind, I'd rather call you Uncle Porges. You see, Dick Bennett, the blacksmith's boy, has three nephews, and I've only got a single aunt. So, if you don't mind, Uncle Porges it shall be, now and for ever, amen,' murmured Bellow. "'And when do you suppose we'd better start?' inquired Small Porges, beginning to retie his bundle. "'Start where, nephew?' "'To find the fortune.' "'Hum,' said Bellew. "'If we could manage to find some, even if it was only a very little, it would cheer her up so.' "'To be sure it would,' said Bellew, and, sitting up, he pitched loaf, cheese, and clasp-knife back into the knapsack, fastened it, slung it upon his shoulders, and, rising, took up his stick.' "'Come on, my Porges,' said he, "'and whatever you do, keep your weather-eye on your uncle.' "'Where do you suppose we'd better look first? inquired small Porges eagerly. "'Why, first I think we'd better find your auntie Anthea.' "'But—' began Porges, his face falling. "'Buts me no buts, my Porges,' smiled Bellew, laying his hand upon his new-found nephew's shoulder. "'Buts me no buts, boy, and as I said before, just keep your eye on your uncle.' End of chapter 4